Y'all are all friends, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Um, so it's an honor to be here today, um, standing on this stage and talking to you. I believe that the Lord's given us some good things through this Battle Ready series, and I'm just honored to be here to get to speak a little bit into that, into your lives. Um, give me some grace. I do get nervous. I get nervous. Um, I want to open with a scripture. Um, Deuteronomy 29, 29. It says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the revealed things belong to us and our children forever to observe the words of the law. The revealed things, the things that you didn't understand, but then now you do. Um, A revelation, something that God revealed to you. There's secret things in the kingdom of God that have to be revealed to us. We may not know them, and then all of a sudden, oh, there's a revelation, and God showed me this. That's because when the word becomes alive and where um, your relationship with the Lord is growing and God's revealing things to you. Um, in that scripture, I want you to get this before we start, that the fight that you fight is not only for yourself, but it's for you and your children. Your victories are your children's victories. Your revelations are your children's revelations. There's things that my mom has fought for in the past, and she got a revelation on it. And because she did when I was younger, I just knew them to be true. You see what I'm saying? Those revelations, you're also fighting for your families and your children when you're fighting for yourself. In this Battle Ready series, I want you to keep that in mind. It's not just about you, but it's about your families as well. Um, It's not just that so you can survive. Um, the enemy, he does come to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came to defeat the enemy and to give us life more abundantly. That's really good. That's really good. Uh, families are important. God calls them. He uses them. Um, we see it all throughout Scripture. If you don't have a heritage with the Lord, if you don't have a heritage, and then you're the one who asked Jesus into your heart, you're beginning that heritage for your family. You get to begin that. You get to start that. If you do have a heritage with the Lord, you have a mother and a father or a grandmother and a grandfather, honor them. Honor the Lord and build on that foundation because the revelations that they had, you get to build on. I am going somewhere with that. Um, God has revealed things in this Battle Ready series, and I have never been more encouraged and confident that God is doing something amazing in our church family and in our city. I believe that he is preparing us the body to be vessels that he uses for the people that he brings to us if he's preparing us he's preparing them as well so we need to take that very seriously our fight is not just for us but for the people that he's bringing us to have um, victory in their lives as well all right so before I actually get into what I'm talking about um, I want to do a little bit of um, lay in the ground for people who may not have been here for the Battle Ready series. This might be your first time, or maybe you missed some. Go check them out on thegatheringnow.com. But I'm going to give you a Kid City version of Battle Ready because we try to do the same thing up there as you guys do in here so families can go home and discuss it with your children. Um, there's a war in the heavenlies, right? There's the kingdom of darkness, and there's the kingdom of heaven, and they're at war. Um, Ephesians 6 I'm not going to read that whole thing. We've done that several times in this series. But we know that there is spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. The enemy is real. He's not made up. He's not fake. He's real, and there's a real battle. Um, We know that we're not fighting flesh and blood, right? Not flesh and blood. Um, In Kid City, we say that we partner with Jesus, and he won, so we win. And we partner with him every day. 
every day we're going to partner with him and we're going to win. Um, the verse that we're hanging out on up there a lot is 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. If you have Jesus in your heart, you have the power to overcome the enemy. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Um, God gives us authority. He gives us armor and he gives us power. We're not going to be scared of the enemy. We're not going to be scared of him. But we're going to be aware that he's there. Um, so why in the world do we fight this battle? Why are we doing this? Reinhard Bonnke says it's so that heaven is full and that hell is empty. We're fighting for souls. We're fighting to win the victory in our lives, but we're also fighting for the other people that God's going to bring us. We're fighting for souls, and that's amazing. That's important. That's awesome. That's a really big uh, challenge that the Lord uh, gives us and um, entrusts us with. Um, We've talked a lot about the armor, so I'm, I want to talk about that as I was preparing this just a, just a little bit in detail. Um, you have the armor, but you have to use it. You have to use it. Um, if you don't use it, Satan's going to put something else on you. Let me talk to that just a minute. If you have the belt of truth, now I'm talking to Christians in the room right now, okay? If you're a Christian, you have the belt of truth. If you lay that down, see what lies the enemy tells you. You'll believe them. You'll believe them because you laid down your belt of truth. If you have the breastplate of righteousness and you lay that down, see how many good choices you make that day. How many right choices you make on your own. If you lay down your shield of faith, you're going to feel it when the fiery darts hit you. You have the armor. You have to put it on. You have to put it on. You have to use it. If you choose to be naked, you will be afraid. Be dressed with the armor. And when, if you choose to be naked, you will be afraid, and the enemy will come to still kill and destroy your life and make you ineffective in the kingdom of God. Put on your armor. Put on your armor. Um, so last week in church, we talked about the sword of the Spirit and how that was a piece of our armor, right? And um, how Jesus, when he was in the wilderness, um, he actually fought against the enemy using the word of God. He spoke the word of God to them and overcame the enemy. Um, we have to do the same thing. We have to do the same thing, but we have to use it. We have to know the word and we have to use it. We have to speak it. Um, if you lay down your sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, you're going to be helpless in the battle. And I don't care how much counseling you get for whatever battle you might be in and you're trying to get through. If you lay down your sword, you're going to be helpless. Don't hear me wrong. I'm not saying counseling is bad. Counseling is an amazing resource that we have. There's very smart people who know a lot of things and they can help us. But if you do all of the worldly things and you lay down your sword of the spirit, you're still going to be helpless and you're not actually going to win. Be fully dressed. Be fully equipped with everything that God has given you. All right. So now, that's Kid City. We say that we're battle ready and we're kicking devil booty. Kicking devil booty. That's what we're doing in Kid City. Um, so to build on that, I want um, the big idea for today. The big idea is, it's, it's a big one, worship is a weapon. Worship is a weapon. It's actually quite simple and easy to remember. Worship is a weapon. When you're fighting a battle and you get knocked down and you don't know what to do, four words, worship is a weapon. 
Um, one of the core values here at the gathering is unexplainable worship of Jesus. We value the presence of the Lord, and we value Jesus, and we value the worship of God. I'm believing today that the Lord is going to give new revelations. I'm believing today that he's going to reveal his power in your worship. Um, I'm believing that y'all are going to be encouraged to actually engage in the battle through worship. Um, So let's pray, just really quickly. All right, so Father God, we thank you for this day. Lord, I pray that you speak through the words that I have coming, Father, and I pray that you use them, Lord. I pray that you join us. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we have armor. The armor is there. We always have to have our armor. And at the end of Ephesians 6, we always need to be praying in the Spirit. Those are two things there, non-negotiable. You do them. You put on your armor, you pray. So worship does not replace those things. You don't think that you're going to lay down some of that armor and then go worship and things are going to happen. Are you with me? That's a very important fact. Um, The worship does not replace your armor. Worship is in addition to your armor. It's a weapon. Position your heart and your mind on God's goodness. Worship helps activate your armor. Be still and know that I am God. When you're still in God's presence, he will activate those things in your life that you need to win the battle. Get dressed with your armor and use your weapons. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-6. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish and destroy strongholds. Strongholds are those things in your life that you just can't quit. It's a a fortified place is like the definition of it. Well, I just do this. I do it all the time. I don't know why I do it and I can't stop There's a stronghold there. There's a stronghold there. And the Bible just told us that the weapons we use are not of this world to overcome those strongholds. My prayer in my life, and I've had a lot of battles. Today is not Bridget Testimony Day, but maybe one day we'll have that. (laughs) I have had a lot of battles. Um, And my prayer is that along with my armor, I want weapons that have divine power to destroy and demolish strongholds so that other people will see the power of God in my life and they will say, oh, if God can do that in her life, surely he can do that in mine because it's the same God. It's the same God Almighty that can do it. Um, When we talk about a weapon... We're talking about an object used in fighting, something that outwits your opponent. Um, And when we talk about worship, we talk about reverent honor, adoring reverence, to have or express feelings of profound adoration. When you stand before the Lord, when you sit on your couch at night, wherever you might be, and you think about God, are you in awe of who he is? That's worship. Are you in awe of who he is? We don't worship the Lord for the outcome. We don't say, oh, Bridget said worship's a weapon, so I'm going to go home and I'm going to play Jesus culture all day long, and then everything's going to be better. No, no, it's a heart thing. We worship the Lord because he has good. We worship the Lord for who he is. Nothing about us. And in that worship, he moves and he does things and he releases things. We don't worship 
to win. We win because we worship. The Bible says that he inhabits our praises. He's enthroned in our worship. We don't need anything else higher than God in our life. If we want God high in our life, worship him. He sits enthroned on our praises. Even if God did not show up, even if he did not show up, but he does, so that's really good. It's really good when he shows up. Um, Even if he didn't, he's still worthy of our worship. God loved us in our sin and our mess, and he still sent Jesus to die for us. He still sent Jesus to took our punishment so that we could be in a right relationship with God. He took our punishment. He is worthy, and he is good. On top of all of that, he calls us his children. He blesses us. He protects us. He's an ever-present help in times of trouble. He's good. He's worthy of our worship. Worship is turning our hearts to the Father, even when everything else around us is going crazy. Now, some of you might be sitting there, and you're going, oh, Bridget, get a grip. Just get a grip. You've lost your mind. Life is crazy. It's dark. And I don't feel like worshiping. You're crazy. Well, I get it. I'm not in a fantasy land. I'm not in a fantasy land. I know that life is hard. I know that it sometimes sucks. I know that people are mean. I know that we fail. We make bad choices. We have consequences. And sometimes it's horrible. I know the pain is real. I know the suffering is real. I know that sometimes you feel like you cannot even breathe. I get it. I get it. But if God is good, and we know that, What is stopping us from worshiping him? What is stopping us? Um, Reinhard Bonnke also says that the enemy is actually just a mouse with a microphone. Is he up there? He's actually a mouse with a microphone. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8, To be alert and sober-minded, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Like a lion. He's not a big lion. We serve the lion of Judah. The enemy is actually a mouse with a microphone getting really loud in your life. He's getting really loud, and you go, ha, what is that? He's little. He's little. It's okay. God has defeated him. God has defeated him. He is like a lion. When we focus on all of the natural things that are happening around us, we feel scared. We feel hopeless. We feel like we can't go on. We feel like we can't breathe, right? In worship, we take a breath. We focus on Jesus. And you know what happens? It unplugs his microphone. You can't hear him quite as loud, right? It unplugs his microphone, and then we begin to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. We begin to equip what what God has given us. We begin to move in a way that we can overcome the enemy with the power that God gives us because he's been unplugged, and we're not paying attention to all of the craziness that's going around. He's a liar. We don't need to listen to him. He's a liar. Um. Worship is one of the strategies that the Lord uses to disarm the enemy. And actually, I don't have time to go into this whole story, but I do want to reference it. You do know that um, Satan was Lucifer in heaven, and he was over what? 
worship. He was in heaven. He was the angel over worship. He got prideful. God kicked him out of heaven. He's here. We're here, right? Y'all follow me? If not, then go find it in the Bible. Um, it's in there. Um, he got kicked out. <laughs> He's here. We're here. And now, in the middle of all of the noise, in the middle of all of the craziness, the things that we're battling, we're fighting, we choose to what? Worship God. We choose to worship God. His pride got him kicked out of heaven. We're down here. He's doing all of these things to make us worship him, right? And we choose to worship God. I think that the Lord looks down and goes, huh, look at that. She's worshiping me. She's choosing me. Oh, watch this devil. I'm going to take care of her. That's what he does in worship. It's powerful. Things are released in your worship. Um, Battles are won when we worship. I want to go to 2 Chronicles 20, 1 through 30. Um, I am going to read a lot of this, but I am also going to skip around or skip some just for time's sake. So I'm going to try and tell the story as I'm reading. This is Jehoshaphat. And he's got armies that are coming against him. And it says, um, 2 Chronicles 22, it says, A great multitude is coming against you from Eden, from beyond the sea. And later it says, Jehoshaphat was afraid, and he set himself to seek the Lord and to proclaim a fast throughout all of Judah. Jehoshaphat was afraid. There was enemies that were coming against him. The struggle is real. The battle is real. The fear is real. Right? But what did he do? He set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout Judah. That's worship. He set himself to seek the Lord. Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court, and he said, O Lord, our ancestor, O Lord of our ancestors, you are not, are you not God in heaven? Do you not rule over the kingdoms of the nations? He goes on to say, God, I know who you are. Let me tell you what's happening. I'm a little worried. It's long. Um, At the bottom it says, For we are powerless against this great multitude that is coming against us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Does that sound familiar? Oh, I'm powerless. I don't know what to do, God. This is too much for me. I can't breathe. I'm not going to make it. That's what he said. But he said, but our eyes are on you. Meanwhile, in all Judah... um, Meanwhile, all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. It's about family. Families were doing this thing together. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. What about the names? The Spirit of the Lord came, and it says, Thus says the Lord to you, Do not fear or be dismayed at this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Many, many times in the Bible it says that the Lord is going to fight for us. Many times. So the word of the Lord came over the specific situation. It says, This battle is not for you to fight. Take your position, stand still, and see the whole victory of the Lord on your behalf. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, and the Lord will be with you. Sometimes we have to trust that the Lord says he's going to fight for us, and then we still have to keep going. Right? He said, go out. Um, at that word... The rhema word 
over their situation. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground in all Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell down before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Throughout this whole battle, this scary time, this unknown thing that's happening, oh my gosh, we could die and I can't breathe, they worshiped the Lord. It says that the Levites and the, all of the ites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. Sometimes it gets loud. It's okay. Um, Jehoshaphat, he stood before the people and he said, Believe in the Lord your God and you will be established. Later on, he went on to, it says, He appointed those who were to sing to the Lord and praise him in the holy splendor as they went before the army. The worshipers went before the army. Sometimes we battle and we battle and we battle and we battle and we simply need to stop and worship God. We need to say, God, you're worthy. You are good. You are good. I know who you are. You are the creator of heaven and earth. You have a plan for me and I know that and I trust that. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to worship you. They sent the worshipers before the army. And as they began to sing and praise, the Lord sent an ambush against the people that were coming against them. They didn't do anything but worship the Lord. And God sent an ambush against their enemies. They actually ended up destroying themselves. They did nothing but worship God. He's worthy. He looks down and says, oh, look at that. They're choosing me. I'll take care of them. It goes on and it says that they returned to Jerusalem with joy for the Lord had enabled them to rejoice over their enemies. They came to Jerusalem with harps and lyres and trumpets in the house of the Lord. And the fear of God came on all the kingdoms and the countries when they had heard that the Lord had fought against their enemies. And the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet for his God gave him rest all around. God took care of them. He took care of them. He destroyed their enemies. They left. And then what did they do? They continued to worship, give him praise and honor. They went back to the temple with their instruments and their songs, and they worshiped God. And then people noticed, oh, look, God took care of them. And they gave God the honor as well. That's what happens when we follow the same models that are in the Bible. It's not just Bridget telling you that worship is a weapon. It happens. That's the way God operates in the kingdom of heaven. There's different rules. There's different things that we have to know that have to be revealed to us. Once they're revealed, it's on you to choose to use them in your battle. Um, I want to look at one other scripture, Acts 16, 16. This one I'm really going to talk through a little bit um, as far as not reading it. So Paul and Silas, they're out there, you know, talking about the kingdom of God to people. And they um, come into this town, and there's this girl, and she has the spirit of divination on her. And she uses that spirit of divination to do fortune-telling. And the people that owned her because she was a slave girl, they made lots of money based on what she did. And so Paul and Silas, they come into town, and she gets behind them, or she's around them, and she's all the time saying, these men are slaves of the Most High God who proclaim um, to you the way of salvation. Over and over, she just kept saying that word 
to them. Well, Paul got really ticked off because it was probably kind of annoying. He's trying to preach the gospel, and she's, you know, constantly saying this. And so he turned to her, and um, it says that Paul, very much annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit. Everybody say, not flesh and blood. It's a real thing, people. Turn to the Spirit. Um, I order you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. Now, the people who owned this girl just realized, that's how we made our money. That evil spirit was helping us make our money. And you just cast it out. What are we going to do about that? Let's get these men to stop and get out of town. Right? So they went and got Paul and Silas. They went and got them. They drug them. And um, they stripped them naked. They beat them with rods. They flogged them. They took them to the prison. They said, put them way, way, way in the prison. Lock them up. It's a bad day. That's a bad day. It's not fun. We're not having warm and fuzzy feelings sitting in that prison. It's a bad day. They were attacked. And I want to read this to you. Uh, 1625. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. It was a bad day. We have bad days. We have hard, hard, hard things that make our feelings and our emotions and everything about life suck. We have bad days. At midnight, they chose, they chose to pray and sing hymns to God. While they were doing that, all of the prisoners were listening to them. And then there's the suddenly. Everybody say suddenly. Suddenly, there was an earthquake so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. In your worship, on your bad day, when things are horrible, when you choose to worship the good, good Father that sits in heaven, that created heaven and earth, you choose to worship him, not only do your chains fall off, but sometimes other people around you's chains fall off. We have family members, we have friends, we have people that we come in contact with, that we work with, and they are bound up in something, chained in something. Your bad day should not stop your worship because in your worship is when other people can be released. It's not always just about you. Worship God because he's good and you know him. We did the first series on know who God is. You know him. You know how good he is. Worship him for who he is. And he will not only release things in your life, fight your battles for you, he will also release the things in the people's lives that are around you. It's good. The jailer, I can't talk about this without talking about the jailer for a minute, but the jailer actually came and said, how do I get to know your God? He got saved. And then him and his whole family got saved. You're fighting for your families, people. Worship. Worship the God that is good and loves you. (sighs) Okay. God's not limited. (laughs) God's not limited to one way to win. I'm just going to reference King Saul and King David. Saul was uh, tormented by an evil spirit thing. It would get him all excited. He called in David. David would play the harp and the evil would go. Does it say, I don't think in there, that that David was specifically worshiping? He was just playing the heart. We know David had the heart of worship. But um, there was a sound that was released, and the evil would go. Release your sound in worship. 
Release your sound. When we're walking around this city, we are releasing a sound. We're releasing a sound, and the enemy will fall. We don't have to see it. We don't have to know it. We don't have to know who all is released. But God does something. So be faithful to worship him no matter what's going on. Good days, bad days, whatever. Worship him. God's got something planned for Albemarle, for Stanley County, and I'm telling you, this body is a big part of what he wants to do. So be a part now on the front end of laying that groundwork and that foundation. Release the sound as you walk. Pray. Speak scripture. Listen to the worship set Pastor Paul put out there. It's amazing. Release the sound. Um, checking my time. Sorry. Your worship is personal to you. It can be loud. It can be quiet. Reading your Bible, hands raised, face on the ground, shouting with instruments. There's a whole gamut of things. I'm not telling you you have to do something specific or in a box. Do what you do to worship. Um, I have this one example I want to tell about Allison. She didn't know I was going to tell it, but I'm going to. Um, we were at night of worship one night, and everybody, it was one of those songs where everybody's just like this, because you know if it's night of worship, the worshipers are there. And so everybody was just like this, and then there was Allison sitting in her chair. Well, Mama Bridget decides, I'm going to go jerk her up. She needs to be talking to Jesus. And so... Um, as soon as I was fixing to make my way to her, the Lord said, no, leave her alone. I was like, huh, okay, I'll do that. So I left her alone. It was about 10 minutes later that Allison walks up to me. Actually, she runs over to me, eyes filled with tears, and she had just gotten a very, very powerful word from the Lord. Um, God moves in your worship, however you worship. So I'm not telling you to do it a certain way. If you're not normally um, positioning yourself in worship, go get in the scriptures. It tells you all different kinds of ways that other people worshiped in the Bible. Use that as your example. And then God will move you into something new as well. Um, are you willing to engage with God in worship? That is you responding to him. Are you willing to engage when we engage, um, power is released. I have one more quick story. <sighs> Clothes at the Kimmer house can overtake you. Like, so we, a lot of times they land on our bed to be folded. It can be higher than me standing. It's just unreal. Um, and so the light in our bedroom had been burnt out for months and months and months. And so uh, Richard fixed it. He fixed the light. And I went into this mountain of clothes and was searching for some socks. Okay? And I was getting so aggravated because it was in the dark. And I was like, what is the deal here? I want matching socks. I'm not my children. I want my socks to match. I have to find a pair of matching socks. Where are they? And I'm searching and I'm searching and I'm probably 10 minutes searching for these socks. And then I was like, huh, the light's fixed. Let's go turn the light on. And so I turned the light on, and immediately I was able to find the socks. My stress level dropped, the problem was fixed, and I was able to go on, right? Yeah, that's what happens when we worship. I said to myself, as I was walking out of the room with my socks, I said out loud, I think Richard was sitting in his chair, I talk to myself all the time, but I said, I find myself searching in the dark even though the light is fixed. Because I've managed and I survived in the dark for so long. I had gotten so accustomed to searching in the dark that that's just what I naturally did. And then I said I need to retrain and reset myself to turn the light on before I start searching. When we worship, we release the power of God in our lives and things 
um, are found. Problems are fixed. Um, we are able to move forward. Something is released when we engage in the power of God. We don't worship to get the breakthrough. Breakthrough happens when we worship. There is something undeniable that happens when we worship. The battle is won. Demons stop their attack. Victory comes. Freedom is released. And all you did was worship God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. Um, I have one scripture I want to end with. And I'm going to pray that the Lord will begin to quicken in you a desire to engage with him in worship. Hebrews 12, 28 says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is an all-consuming fire. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our praise. 